Well, good afternoon. <clears throat> I'm Arnold Gorski, and uh, our topic this afternoon is integrating primary care and community health evangelism. Uh, we have a whole lot of information to present, uh, so uh, uh, we're, we're going to get started uh, uh, right now. Uh, and why don't we begin with prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you. We thank you for our many blessings. Uh, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with each and every one of us so that all that uh, we do here today may be for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, we're going to attempt to present the highlights of several lectures in a one-hour presentation. And because of the large volume of information, we need to move very rapidly, skip over many of the slides that provide the evidence base for the presentation. And for this reason, the verbal portion of the, the presentation is written out on the slides as much as possible. And this is done especially to accommodate requests for uh, the hearing impaired, uh, because when we move fast, they can oftentimes read a whole lot faster than I can speak. So. However, the entire program uh, is available free, that we're going to be uh, reviewing, is available free for downloading at the web address. Uh, and it didn't make it to your elements, but it's uh, hepfdc.info. It's the uh, address up here. So it's just hepfdc.info or .org. And the website also contains specific guidelines on how to use the program to integrate primary care and community health. And uh, also contains most of the other key elements that we'll be addressing in this session. So there's really no need to take notes. Uh, probably uh, my background, uh, I'm retired uh, Navy uh, pediatrician. Uh, Navy also sent me off for uh, uh, additional training in quality assurance and uh, uh, in uh, 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 hospital accreditation. Uh, my missions experience, I've uh, attended approximately 40 to 45 short-term missions trips with various organizations throughout the world. Uh, my long-term missions experience is uh, 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 several days a month uh, down in a mission about 200 miles south of the border in Baja, Mexico, and I've attended there for approximately 15 years. Okay, uh, this is the uh, uh, program that, that we're going to uh, demonstrate. Uh, it enables both long and short-term medical teams to have a long-term impact by introducing desperately needed evidence-based health education services to the community. The goal is to provide the very best life-saving information necessary for use by team physicians and nurses, as well as host country pastors, physicians, and their communities. It enables the integration of primary care and community health at all three levels of the healthcare pyramid, at the hospital level, at the health center level, and then down at the family or church or community level. And that we feel is critically important. Uh, disclosure, conflict of in interest validation, the authors and GHO, uh, Global Health Outreach al also distributes the program, receive no royalties or compensation of any kind uh, related to the health education program uh, uh, for developing countries or its websites. We're, so we're not trying to sell you anything here. Uh, uh, the program is also available in a very simple participatory format, specifically developed for community health worker use. And uh, these are community health workers that would have very little uh, uh, education. And this was developed uh, by Judy Collins, uh, Jody Collins. Uh, she's a fellow pediatrician who works with Global Chain Network. And their address, web address, is, is up there as well. So it's just uh, chainnetwork.org. Uh, 
and this is from our web page. The key elements from this session are available on the, on the HEP FTC website. So, uh, uh, and the website also contains specific guidelines on how to use the program to integrate primary care and community health. So again, there's really no need to take notes. Now, the program we will review uh, is being utilized in numerous countries throughout the world. It's available free for downloading uh, worldwide in English, French, Mandarin, and Spanish. Uh, it's also, again, been updated to incorporate recent changes in uh, WHO standards and guidelines. However, the purpose of this presentation is not to promote this particular program. Uh, fr frankly speaking, the more organizations that use and order this program, the more work and expense for us. So every local and, and, and global community has somewhat different needs, uh, and uh, there are numerous organizations with the resources to create more comprehensive programs. Unfortunately, we have not been able to find such programs, and that's the reason for this presentation. It's uh, the concept of utilizing the very best evidence-based standards and guidelines to integrate the practice of primary care and community health, both at home and in the missions field, that's what we want to demonstrate and very uh, strongly promote this afternoon. So why is this integration so important both globally and in the U.S.? Well, this is from the World Health Report, uh, 2008 report, uh, entirely on primary care. Five common shortcomings of uh, health care delivery. Number one is inverse care. Public spending on health services often, most often benefits the rich more than the poor, and this is true in high- and low-income countries alike. Impoverishing care. Over 100 million people annually fall into poverty because they have to pay for their health care and uh, with catastrophic expenses. Uh, re recently, because of the mortgage fiasco, uh, uh, that's why people are getting, uh, uh, falling into poverty. But before that, uh, it was health care. And, and even now, health care is right up there. Uh, people in our country that can't afford to pay their, their health costs are falling into poverty because of it. Fragmented uh, and fragmenting care. Uh, this is there's excessive specialization of healthcare providers and narrow focus of uh, many disease control programs discourage a holistic approach to individuals and the families they deal with, and they do not appreciate the need for continuity of care, and, and, and much harm gets done this way. Unsafe care, uh, this is spe specifically uh, medication errors are uh, a, a, a very much unrecognized problem. Uh, avoidable uh, adverse effects that are an underestimated cause of death and ill health, uh, uh, not only in developing countries but throughout the world. And the last one is especially important. We'll deal with this uh, quite a bit this afternoon. Misdirected care. Resource allocation clusters around curative services at great cost, neglecting the potential of primary prevention and health promotion to prevent up to 70% of the disease burden. So we could be representing up, uh, preventing up to 70% of, of the diseases that we're seeing. This is from the Director General of the World Health Organization. Uh, uh, she states that the differences in, in, in life expectancy between the richest and the poorest countries ex now exceed 40 years. That's increasing. You know, it, it didn't used to be that great, but that is increasing. Never before has our world possessed such sophisticated arsenal of tools and technologies for curing disease and prolonging life. Yet each year, uh, nearly 10 million young children and pregnant women have their lives cut short by largely preventable causes. So something is wrong. A world that is greatly out of balance in matters of health is neither stable or secure, and, and that's certainly true uh, 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 with all our service uh, members. Uh, 
at least uh, 25,000, this is from UNICEF, at least 25,000 children under age five die every day from preventable causes. So during this lecture period, uh, at least 1,000 children will die from entirely preventable causes. Uh, UNICEF believes it is possible to go from 25,000 to zero, zero child lives lost to preventable causes like pneumonia, diarrhea, malnutrition, infection, zero children disabled by unnecessary illness, zero mothers dying from lack of health care at birth, and UNICEF knows how to get it done with the integrated cost-effective solutions focusing on the world's poorest. And that's exactly our, our uh, uh, approach to, uh, to this problem. Uh, what about how is this important in the U.S.? Uh, preventable deaths for 19 leading industrialized countries. The U.S. places last among 19 countries for deaths up to age 75 that could have been prevented by access to timely and effective health care. We used to be number one. Uh, uh, but by, by 2002 and 2003, the U.S. fell to last place with 109 deaths amenable to health care for every 100,000 people. It, uh, if the U.S. had performed as well as the top three countries, there would have been 101,000 fewer deaths in the U.S. per year. Uh, this is from JAMA. Uh, the United States has considerably greater expenditure on uh, medical care uh, uh, than the United Kingdom, almost twice as much, yet U.S. residents are much less healthy than uh, English counterparts, and these differences exist at all points of the socioeconomic distribution. And again, this is from the Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, American, Public Journal, uh, American Journal of Public Health, uh, a similar study, uh, the first ever cross-national uh, health survey carried out by the two nations' official uh, statistics agencies. This is Canada and the U.S. U.S. residents, again, are less healthy than Canadians, and despite spending nearly twice as much per capita for health care, uh, they have more problems getting care and experience more uh, unmet uh, health needs. What, about, what does our Central Intelligence Agency have to say? Well, they keep track of a number of things, including uh, infant mortality rates. And this rate, they state, is often used as an indicator of the level of health in a country, and that is true. The CIA now rates the United States 44th for in infant mortality rates. And I remember how upset I was as a resident when I learned that, that we were number uh, three or four, and, and, uh, and we've gone uh, considerably downhill since then. So why is this important on the missions field? What are the, are the problems there? Now, we won't go into this much at all, but there is controversy, uh, as I'm certain you all know about uh, the uh, uh, short-term missions. And, but there are numerous areas where we routinely do provide very high-quality evidence-based care, uh, surgery in particular, optometry, uh, oral surgery, uh, uh, throughout the world, Romania, Malawi, uh, uh, China. Uh, this is uh, uh, from a Kurdish refugee camp at the end of the first Gulf War. Uh, when we first got there, there were over 1,000 deaths per day. Uh, and so there's numerous areas where we can provide high-quality life-saving care, uh, treatment for malnutrition and, and sepsis, uh, uh, measles, immunization, vitamin A, prophylaxis. So there's many areas where we do provide high-quality, uh, life-saving, curative care. So. Uh, uh, and uh, here the team stayed until the crisis was completely over and all the people have been transported to a safe area uh, uh, where uh, clean water, sanitation, and adequate local health care services were available. This uh, took a couple of months. Uh, but the, the main question that short-term missions need to ask is, is what is the status of the community's health care after we leave? And what do our long-term Christian missionary mentors have to say? 
Well, these are all written by long-term uh, Christian missionaries. It's just in lasting change. If you attended here last year, uh, you heard Dr. Carl T Taylor speak at the uh, last uh, plenary session. Uh, 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 this is his book. Uh, 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 last year at the West Coast Healthcare Missions Conference, uh, Dr. Ted Lancaster uh, 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 spoke to us there, and he will be speaking again uh, at this conference this year, so be certain and attend his lectures. Uh, uh, Stan Rowland, uh, his book, uh, he's uh, spoke here uh, uh, just about every year I've been here that I know of and, and at the West Coast uh, Conference uh, as well. So uh, uh, take advantage of these uh, uh, excellent resources and excellent speakers. This is from uh, Carl Taylor's book, uh, and he says, The key to better lives is not technological breakthroughs, but changing behavior at the community level. The most important healthcare workers in the world are not physicians or surgeons, but mothers. Outside, did I hear an amen there? <laughs> Outsiders and outside resources are, are crucial. Uh, however, their role is to stimulate commitment and practical alternatives, not to do the actual work. Okay, when officials and experts demonstrate humility, community and energy becomes contagious. And the last is uh, six criteria for help, to help participants monitor whether particular events are positive or will create later problems. So whatever you're doing, you need to look at collaboration, at equity, sustainability, interdependence, not dependency, holistic action, and iterative or repetitive action. This is from Stan Rowland's, Rowland's book. Uh, when health services are received by villagers, they are mostly curative. But 80% of village disease problems are prevented through such measures as health education and vaccinations against major diseases. Curative medicine seeks to cure existing diseases rather than preventing them in the first place. This approach is expensive and narrow and ineffective in reaching the masses. Ted Lancaster, much the same. Many health program staff spend most of their time running clinics and curing illnesses. They give health education only if there's time left over. Such an approach will never improve the health of a community. It's health teaching with active involvement of the people is probably the most important of all community health uh, activities. It must be at the top of our priority list. Beware the curse of Malenchi. Anybody here not know what this means? Okay. Uh, Malenchi was a Mexican who uh, helped the foreign soldier Cortez invade Mexico and he conquered the country. The curse of Malenchi is the belief that anything foreign or Western is good and must be better than the things made in our own country. The curse of Malenchi makes poor people want to buy the latest drink, food, cigarette, or drug from the nearest smart country. This, in turn, leads them deeper into poverty. And each year, drug manufacturers, especially multinational corporations, are developing new and more effective ways of persuading ordinary people that a whole range of medicines and injections are necessary. This is, this is true all over. Developing uh, countries as well. Down in Mexico, their advertising is, is as bad as ours is in our country. Example one, uh, recently one drug company offered Peruvian pharmacists a bottle of wine if they offered, uh, ordered three boxes of cough and cold remedy. Uh, number two, uh, another company told doctors to suspect Giardia or amoeba in all cases of diarrhea and treat them immediately with metronidazole. In fact, this drug is only needed in a very small percentage of, of diarrhea cases. And these are important. You know, the cough and cold medicines are, are not only harmful to children, they increase their mortality. Uh, and the same with metronidazole. A missionary friend of mine from uh, Mexico uh, uh, told about a, a little girl that died uh, just recently after a short-term missions trip uh, from receiving metronidazole. The parents thought, well, uh, they got mixed up on the dose. They thought instead of giving it over 10 days, you give it all at once, and, and, and the baby died. So, so these are, are dangerous drugs here. Uh, 
uh, again from Ted Lancaster, one of our main uh, tasks as community health workers is to educate the people about correct and incorrect use of medicine. If we succeed, communities will become healthy and self-reliant. If we fail, communities will become poorer, more exploited, more dependent. Unless the whole health team understands and practices appropriate use of medicines at all times, community members will uh, never be taught how to change their expectations. So everyone has to, has to practice high-quality uh, evidence-based medicine. It must be our aim to create awareness in the people so successfully that when tempted by glossy advertisements or TV commercials promoting the latest health tonic, they refuse to buy it. And this is a, uh, what he has in the foreword of his book. It actually comes from where there is no doctor. And this is the first, it's, it's entitled The Pit of Ignorance in the Land of Knowledge. Well, here, the first example is uh, uh, the guy's in the pit, and the doc says, take two pills four times a day and don't ask questions. And uh, the guy says, oh, thank you, oh, great one. And that's, that's really our drug-based approach. The second is, is better. This is what we try to do when we go on short-term trips, helping others learn to care for themselves. It encourages independence and self-reliance and uh, equality. But the last is really the, the ideal. That's the gold standard, and that's what uh, community health evangelism uh, tries to do. And they send out missionaries for two to three years just to, to become a part of the community, learn uh, uh, the community, and, and then uh, the community itself on its, uh, decides its own priorities, and the community itself encourages uh, decision-making and leadership uh, uh, that comes from, uh, uh, from uh, their own people. Uh, now we're going to talk about the Christian missionaries and the, and the World Health Organization. And this is important to recognize a very strong uh, Christian influence on the World Health uh, Organization. Their standards and guidelines are often based on the work of our Christian missionary physician mentors and faith-based organizations. Uh, this is especially true of guidelines re related to uh, primary care. Uh, uh, for example, the World uh, Health Organization World Health Report that we read from uh, uh, at the beginning is devoted entirely to primary care and emphasizes the need to return to the alma mata principles. Now, those principles emphasize the integrated holistic approach to health care that were co-authored by Dr. Carl Taylor, who you heard speak uh, last year at the plenary uh, session. And he was a member of the Christian Medical Commission, uh, uh, CMC. Now, this comes from a secular journal, from the American Journal of Public Health, but here they're talking about the Christian Medical Commission and the development of the World Health Organization's primary health care approach. And the CMC, from its inception, gave priority to what is termed comprehensive health care. Now, this goes back over 30 years. Christian organizations were, were, were trying to get this implemented. Uh, educational activities were stressed to provide individuals with the information they needed to learn for themselves what they could do to improve their health and that of the community. So the World Health Organization now is adopting this approach, but it, but it, it took uh, over 35 years. Uh, they go on to say that the summer of 1973, the CMC had brought to the world's attention many projects that offered innovative ways to improve the health of populations in developing countries, to provide for an integrated approach of preventative, curative, and promotive services for both the community and the individual. And that's exactly what our topic is on uh, today. Another article from uh, uh, American Journal of Public Health, and, and here they even get give credit uh, for the term primary health care. They state that it was the CMC that probably used it for the very first time. So Christians are, are very much involved uh, with the World Health Organization for uh, going back many years. Uh, 
So we, we owe a great great debt uh, uh, to these missionaries, and most current uh, Christian uh, healthcare providers are not aware of their essential importance. Uh, fortunately, that's beginning to change, and this is from the last, last year's uh, plenary uh, session. Uh, elements page, uh, mixed myths uh, stated, uh, how many times have we confessed over the past couple days that lo doing things to and for people doesn't work? It denies their dignity, it undermines the capacity for sustainable change. Dr. Henry Perry, uh, who was a student of uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Taylor's, uh, and he's talking about the CMC and, and Dr. Taylor, and he states that they were starting a whole community health movement that was showing tremendous results in terms of improving the health of people that went far beyond the hospital, what, what the hospitals were ever able to do. And this is Dr. Carl uh, Taylor, and he's, he said that if you really understand what we mean, doctors automatically get not only resistant, they get angry. Because what we are saying is that the most important health workers in the world are mothers. It is that reality that we have not been willing to face, the arrogance with which we have carried out our professional roles, taking ownership from the community and assuming that the ownership of the health system is in the hands of the doctors and other health workers. That simple message is that if we are really going to do what Jesus showed us to do, it is building up the capacity of the people to solve their own problems. And that is the key. And he's been preaching that for all, just about all of his 93 years. So. Okay, so what should we, uh, healthcare, all healthcare missions, be doing to, if our goals are number one, to save the most lives, prevent the most suffering; number two, to comply with the requirements of the Great Commission; number three, to promote Jesus' message for holistic healing, which is based on a belief in a loving God, versus our culture's drug advertising message for a belief in drugs; number four, support our host country's physicians and pastors' community health goals and evangelism ministries to provide a meaningful, long-term, culture-changing difference; and number five to meet increasing WHO standards and guidelines for providing integrated, holistic, high-quality, safe, as well as effective care. But what we should all be doing is this, and there again, it's community prevention-based health care uh, uh, by uh, uh, the authors of, of, uh, of these uh, community health care uh, uh, books. Now, the problem is that primary care is only curative care, and it's being done here at the district hospital level and at the health center level. And community health care, if it's being done at all, and, and it really isn't being done hardly at all, if it's being done at all, though it's done at the community uh, family level. And, of course, the number of problems uh, that are, are appropriately dealt with uh, from a curative standpoint are, are only 30%, whereas the community health uh, uh, is an appropriate response for 70% of our, our patients' health care problems. So what is needed then is integration of primary care and, and uh, community health at all levels. And that's what our program attempts to do. Uh, 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 now, how important this, is this? Now, uh, this is from the Lancet. The Lancet uh, 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 had an entire issue in September of 2008 devoted entirely to this, this uh, topic of Alma-Ata, the, the, the uh, 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 declaration that Carl Taylor was co-author of. They devoted an entire uh, issue to that. And uh, it says, uh, Alma Ta, 30 years on, health for all need not be a dream buried in the past. And uh, they say, what is the most important factor in determining the very future of health care, the very future of health care in both developed and developing countries throughout the world? And it's our topic today. The future of health care generally and primary care specifically depends on the integration of personal health care and public health at the level of the local community. So that's what we're talking about today, and that's, that's its importance.
uh, what about our country? Uh, uh, do we have any problems uh, in our country? Well, uh, and, and is it applicable there? And, and he, this comes from the American Medical Association and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And they state our overall goal is to help, and this is their program, our overall goal is to help physicians and other health professionals identify and utilize strategies to reduce disparities in health outcomes through integrating disease prevention and health, prevent, health promotion into routine medical care. So that's their goal as well, and, and, uh, and uh, the problem is uh, it's very difficult to implement. Uh, so here's uh, the most important knowledge. Knowledge that will save the most lives, prevent the most suffering. Knowledge is that, that's the best available or uh, evidence-based. Now, where, does this, uh, where do we find this knowledge? Well, for care in other countries, we need to follow the international standards and guidelines. And in nearly all cases, medical standards for host developing countries are based on the World Health Organization uh, uh, guidelines. And that's because the World Health Organization Constitution uh, uh, delineates the authority of the World Health Organization and its 193 member countries. Just about every country in the world uh, belongs to it, including our country as well. So that's, that's what gives them the authority to uh, uh, establish these guidelines. And they require that their practice guidelines be systematically developed evidence-based statements which assist providers, recipients, and other stakeholders to make informed consent uh, decisions about uh, appropriate health interventions. And uh, those involving primary care now emphasize the uh, integrated approach. And you see many of these, like uh, the IMCI, the Integrated Management of Childhood Illness, probably one of the best studied and one of the best evidence-based uh, uh, programs for integrated care. And you can don't, uh, download all of these free from the World Health Organization. Uh, as, as, this, as this approach may not be familiar to many in short-term missions, it's, it's important we review the evidence for adopting this approach from both the biblical standpoint and the scientific evidence-based standpoint. So here we're going to uh, uh, compare uh, integrated uh, holistic approach with drug-based primary care. And where does this evidence-based business all start? Well, as we, we, we time and again find out, uh, we need to go back to the Bible. And the very first recorded clinical trial is in the, in the book of Daniel, uh, 600 B.C. So 2,600 years ago is where our evidence-based uh, 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 history first began. Now, Daniel refused to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing to eat but vegetables and water to drink for 10 days and compare our appearance to the young men who eat royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of their others, so they took away their choice food and wine, gave them vegetables to eat instead. And when their training was complete in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than them all. So, if we... Hope to improve the quality of care of host developing countries, we must first evaluate the quality of the care that we are exporting. That's absolutely critical. And uh, we go back to Jeremiah 25.9, and we find that God calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Uh, and Daniel 1.2 states, and the Lord delivered Judah into his hand. Uh, and Babylon was the most powerful and advanced nation in the world. And the king's intentions for Daniel's care were the very best. Daniel was also to be given the very best uh, uh, training. The king was providing what he thought was, uh, he was, what he was certain was the very best care and what he used for himself and his family. But for Daniel and God and for current evidence-based clinical guidelines, the care and example provided by the most advanced nation in the world was wrong. Now, the lessons from that first clinical trial are just as applicable today as they were 2,600 years ago. 
And this is why we need evidence-based medicine. And this is why every doctor you go to disagrees. Because uh, we all, you know, it's just an e information explosion. We all have our stacks of journals that we read to, but, but they're much different from what our, our fellow uh, doctors are, are reading. So that's why we all disagree. And the validity of, of, uh, of uh, the evidence from individual studies, even from our very best journals, is usually very poor. Uh, and good evidence in the medical literature is very difficult to find. And so uh, what is the solution then? Well, the solution is the team approach, uh, 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 and, and, uh, where you have statisticians, epidemiologists, and clinical experts, and they review all the available evidence throughout the world. Uh, and this is, this is a group that's just for the Academy of Pediatrics Infectious Disease, plus they have 250 additional collaborators just in infectious disease. So we're talking a, a, a whole lot of uh, resources involved here. Now, the content of our health education program here uh, does not come from, from the authors, uh, but from the very best evidence-based standards and guidelines. And that's what, what, what you have to have with your health education program if you want to have it accepted by uh, physicians, uh, and especially in developing countries. You know, the World Health Organization has an excellent reputation among doctors in developing countries. So if you give them a program that's evidence-based, based on the World Health Organization uh, 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 guidelines, they're going to very much implement it. And that's absolutely essential because if we teach our community health workers uh, uh, a certain way of, of uh, caring for themselves in the community and the doctors disagree, well, we aren't going to get very far uh, with, with that approach. So that's why being evidence-based uh, is, is so critically important. So what do these uh, experts look at as far as systematic reviews? We'll just go over this briefly. The, uh, the highest level of evidence, uh, the gold standard is uh, uh, the systematic reviews of randomized controlled trials. The lowest uh, acceptable uh, level of evidence is expert opinion. Now that, for most doctors, that's the one we use most, most often. We have a trouble with uh, a patient with... Uh, uh, say a thyroid problem, we call up the endocrinologist. So, so we're really using a very low level of uh, evidence uh, uh, most of the time. What about in my experience? Uh, uh, how, how important is my experience? Well, studies show that increased years of clinical experience equals decreased quality of care. <laughs> now, the only way I can get away with saying that is because I'm usually among the older doctors uh, uh, in, the, in the crowd. Uh, but the only thing uh, that might have, have uh, kept me from getting into too much trouble was your tax dollars because the uh, Navy spent tens of thousands of, of your tax dollars into trying to make uh, uh, me knowledgeable in this area. And one of, my, uh, one of my duties as a quality assurance director was to review all the JAG manual investigations uh, uh, that were related to uh, uh, malpractice, or all our lawsuits uh, uh, related to malpractice. And when I interviewed the, the doctor and asked him why he did a certain treatment the way he did, and if he began with, well, in my experience, I knew we had lost the lawsuit. 100% of the time, we lost the lawsuit. So our experience uh, really, uh, really uh, is not something that we need, that we want to uh, uh, rely on. Uh, uh, by far, though, the lowest level of evidence is drug detailer information and advertising. Uh, it's, uh, quotes, this is misleading, uh, results in unnecessary treatment and costs, is harmful or deadly to patients. Only 6% and this was re reported in, in a, a, medical, a letter to the New England Journal of Medicine, only 6% of drug advertising educational, quotes, educational material provided to physicians is supported by the evidence, only 6%. So, you know, I never met a drug company rep that I didn't like. They're, real, they're wonderful people, 
But when they give you something to read, you know where you should file it. You know, you just don't want to, want to uh, uh, waste waste your time on that. Okay, what does the, the head of our uh, quality or uh, QA director for our entire uh, country have to say? Uh, this is Carolyn M. Clancy. She's head of the uh, Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. She says, when it comes to quality and healthcare delivery, we actually do have many answers, answers about best practices, about what works, proven scientific-based answers. What we don't have yet is results. Uh, so this is the state of healthcare quality in, in America today. It's stubbornly short of where we want to be, agonizingly short of where we know it could be, and still slow and sporadic in making improvement. And this picture of Elijah here is that's pretty much what a QA director's uh, life is like. Uh, they spend all their time crying in the wilderness and uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody listening. So. Okay, uh, treatment is not based on best uh, current knowledge. Uh, she states it's underutilization despite evidence of benefit, overutilization despite evidence of harm. And there are two sides to every, every treatment. And that's what we, we, we seldom think about in our country. We pay very little attention to this part because very, no drug company is going to do a study on the harm of its medications. All the studies are done on the benefit side. But the medical letter says every pharmaceutical drug is a dose-dependent poison. And that's what we have to remember. Okay, we, we remain unaware of the effectiveness of treatments. So let's discuss the, the uh, uh, benefit side here. Now, what percent of our modern scientific treatments have actually been shown to be beneficial? Anyone know? What percent have actually, of our modern scientific treatments that we use every day in our country have actually been shown to be beneficial? Any guesses? 10%? Well, actually, we're, we do a little bit better than that, not a whole lot. It, it, uh, this was back in 2005. Uh, it was 15% uh, at that time. Actually, it's gone down since that time. You're right. It's down to 13% now the last couple of years. When I first saw those figures, I didn't believe them. Uh, you know, even in all, all these years of, of quality assurance, I, I still couldn't believe we were, we were that bad. Uh, uh, but yet, it is true. Uh, now, many of these in this uh, likely to be beneficial, uh, the 22%, many of those will end up over here when we have additional studies. But a lot of them won't. Hormonal treatment for cardiovascular uh, 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 disease prevention in, in uh, uh, women used to be in this category, and now it's, you know, now it's down here and likely uh, to be ineffective or harmful. Uh, uh, so remember these uh, six categories, beneficial, likely to be beneficial, trade-off between benefits and harms, unknown effectiveness, which is the largest group, unlikely beneficial, and uh, likely ineffective or, or harmful. Okay, so let's look at our, our uh, short-term missions drugs, uh, uh, NSAIDs. They're the most frequently dispensed drug on most short-term missions. And how does that rate? Well, we're going to look at the harm side first. NSAID mortality, the silent epidemic. That's the title in the New England Journal of Medicine here. How many deaths does it take to, to result in a black box warning? And here, here we have greater than 16,000 NSAID deaths per year from GI deaths alone in arthritis patients alone. So this is a very restricted population in the U.S. alone. 60, that's, that's just about the same number of deaths as, that are due to AIDS and much more, a greater number of deaths than are due to multiple myeloma, asthma, cervical cancer, Hodgkin's, all of these. So uh, arthritis was previously, since the beginning of time, arthritis was previously a non-lethal disease. We have made osteoarthritis a lethal disease in our country. Uh, and that was only from GI deaths. The total NSAID deaths were much higher, uh, greater than 55,000 cardiovascular deaths from rofecoxib alone in patients without previous cardiac uh, disease 
over 55,000 just from that one drug. And the only reason we know about that one drug is because that's the only one that was really studied in that area, really studied by mistake. Uh, and NSAIDs provide only limited symptomatic benefit. There's no therapeutic benefit at all, not even in rheumatoid arthritis. It does not affect the course of any disease. All it does is give you symptomatic, temporary uh, 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 relief. So this is failing the public health. This is why most doctors don't, don't know about this. Is because uh, Merck's commercial. This comes again from the New England Journal of Medicine. Merck's commercial interest in rofecoxib or Viax sales exceeded its concern about the drug's potential cardiovascular toxicity. Merck was spending more than 100 million per year in direct-to-consumer advertising. The company sponsored countless continuing medical education symposiums at national meetings in an effort to debunk the concern about the adverse cardiovascular effects. So the estimated unnecessary heart attacks and strokes just from this medicine was 160,000 uh, patients with no cardiovascular uh, history. So how beneficial are NSAIDs? Let's look at the other side. Uh, versus uh, evidence-based holistic treatment for low back pain. Now, low back pain, uh, those of you that have gone on uh, uh, missions, and even those in general practice, low back pain is one of the most frequent uh, uh, complaints e even in our, our country. And on mission trips uh, uh, in rural communities, everyone has low back pain. So that's, uh, that's our most common presenting complaint for adults. Now, this is, again, uh, from the evidence-based uh, uh, guidelines, low back pain. And what do we find on the drug side? Trade-off between benefits and harms is the very best we can do for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory uh, drugs. Number three, uh, now what is the effect of non-drug treatments? Beneficial, the highest possible rating is exercise. And then intensive multidisciplinary treatment is also up there. So that's number one. And the best we can do for, for uh, NSAIDs is number three. So here, here we have evidence-based holistic treatment versus NSAIDs. Uh, number one uh, is uh, preventive therapeutic benefit. When you do exercises, you actually affect the course of the disease. You cut down on the incidence of, of low back pain. Plus, there's no significant morbidity or mortality. Okay, now let's look at the drug side. NSAIDs, only third-rated symptomatic benefit. No preventive, no therapeutic benefit at all, and tens of thousands of deaths per year. You know, uh, how are we going to give in informed consent to a patient uh, with, 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 with these two variables? You know, uh, we, we do have an ethical uh, obligation to inform our patients of other available treatments for low back pain. And especially if you have a, uh, a drug that you're using that's responsible for tens of thousands of deaths per year, you do have that ethical responsibility to inform your patients of this. So the more teachings we use, teaching we use the higher the quality of our care, especially in the high-risk, short-term, primary uh, care setting. Now, what do our most honored and respected Christian missionary mentors have to say? And this is from Dr. Paul Brand. I, you all, all of you should read his books. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, but, but he, he's, he was so highly respected by the secular world as, as well as, as uh, the Christian world. And he says, we in medicine need to restore our patients' confidence in the most powerful healer in the world, the human body. Doctors tend to exaggerate their own significance in the scheme of things. <laughs> uh, he makes certain that we don't get too much of an ego problem. He does. So the mind, not the cells of the injured part, will determine the final extent of rehabilitation. In the United States, advertising further feeds the victim mentality by conditioning us to believe that staying healthy is a complicated matter far beyond the grasp of the average person. The human being, unlike any machine, contains what Schweitzer called the doctor within. 
the ability to repair itself and to affect consciously uh, the, the healing process. I have, I have one lecture on the placebo effect, and and uh, uh, that that would really change your mind about about your prescri prescribing habits. And essentially, it's it's what Jesus had had said time and time again: your faith has made you whole. Except what Jesus was doing was was uh, uh, giving uh, the credit for this belief effect to a loving God. And nowadays, we give it to the drug companies. Part B, how can community health evangelism be integrated for high-quality health care? Well, this is, again, is the program. And again, the purpose of this presentation is not to promote this particular program. And what we're trying to do is get other organizations to, to create uh, programs for their specific needs. Uh, the, uh, the concept, the evidence-based standards and guidelines to integrate the practice of individual primary care and community health, both at home and on the missions field. Uh, so it's two parts of the program. Uh, so over there, one is written uh, uh, handbook, and the other is the guidelines here. Uh, most of this is right directly from the World Health Organization programs. They have an excellent life-saving program on safe food preparation, uh, critically important uh, uh, in so many areas. Uh, so what are our goals? Uh, the goals are to enable uh, healthcare teams to have a long-term culture-changing influence by introducing high-quality, holistic, Christ-centered healthcare services to the community. And how do we meet those goals? Well, number one, we enable the provision of safe, high-quality individual medical care by team physicians and local health care providers. And number two is introducing desperately needed holistic health education services for pastors, for health promoters, and community health workers to reach out and assist their communities. And that's really our, our main goal, goal here on, on short-term missions. So the information required for both the public community health education is the very same information that's required for high-quality individual primary care. So it's a, uh, the, you can use the very same source. Now, this, is, this approach is embarrassing uh, in its simplicity, and yet there is absolutely overwhelming evidence-based documentation that an evidence-based, holistic, or Christ-centered, Health education program will save many more lives, prevent much more suffering than all of our medicine combined. That's absolutely uh, no question about that at all. So what is the most important knowledge? Knowledge that will save the most lives, prevent the most suffering knowledge that is the best available or evidence-based. Uh, so this program does not come from any of us authors, but from the best available evidence-based uh, standards and guidelines. Uh, and uh, how, do, how does our program rate? There, there, this is an evidence-based uh, equation on uh, importance or usefulness, and uh, it's relevance times validity over work, and we'll look at relevance first. Uh, uh, this is our, our program here. The World Health reports that 70-80% of patients are suffering from diseases that are preventable of all their medical needs. The greatest by far is reliable health care information. Although evidence-based life-saving information is available from WHO, CDC, and other sources, it seldom reaches our patients or even their health care providers. Now, historically, the church has always provided health care services. It's only within our last generation that it has not. And it used to be always Lutheran General, uh, Presbyterian Hospital. You know, these were all faith-based hospitals. It's only our, our generation uh, that uh, let it go commercialized. So uh, historically, uh, uh, it's been the church. And pastors and churches of developing countries and inner cities are in need of resources to provide ongoing, long-term, high-quality health care services for the community. And the health ed program for developing countries was created to assist medical teams and pastors and churches in meeting those goals. 
Uh, it's based on the most uh, critical uh, uh, global health needs as specified in the late, latest World Health Reports. It emphasizes the top 10 leading risk factors globally that cause the most deaths and suffering. Uh, can anybody name the number one preventable uh, cause of death uh, uh, in the world? All right, that's right, smoking. Tobacco consumption remains. Now, we're doing better in our country, uh, not nearly as, as, as good as we should. Uh, but uh, what the problem is, is that the tobacco companies have just shifted their focus into developing countries, and it's becoming more and more of a problem there. The others are unsafe water, sanitation, and hygiene, underweight, unsafe sex, alcohol consumption, uh, 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 iron deficiency, high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol, obesity, and indoor smoke from solid food. And, and all these are, are covered in the, the health uh, ed program. Uh, includes mental health uh, and other recommendations uh, for recovering from disasters, uh, physical and sexual assault, and other accidental and war-inflicted injuries. And that, that's actually very important, uh, in, especially in countries like Afghanistan, where people have gone such, through such uh, trauma, uh, and so on. And, and these are in the, uh, on the website, so I'm not going to go through all this. But uh, yes, uh, but are our patients really interested in education? And everywhere we go, people are worried about AIDS. And there's an abundance of disinformation. Our patients, especially those who are not yet infected, want desperately to know uh, the truth about this and about other diseases that, uh, that they see their uh, uh, family and friends uh, uh, dying from. And there's so much disinformation. Uh, just one, one uh, very common belief that we, we, we find in country after country is that, uh, uh, that uh, 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 having sex with a virgin is going to cure AIDS. That's very prevalent uh, throughout the world. Uh, and, and the amount of, of uh, suffering uh, that that causes is just unbelievable. So we, if we could just do away with that one false belief, just, just the, the, the suffering that we, we could uh, de decrease, uh, because much of that uh, is, uh, leads to uh, child sexual abuse as well, which is just devastating. So it's nearly always caused by unsafe sex. Over 3 million people died from AIDS in 2001. Over 45 million others infected. Uh, uh, and all of this death and suffering is completely preventable. So how is this program implemented on the, by the, the short-term short team? Well, it's, it's always a host-guest partnership with mutual sharing, sharing of, of critical knowledge. We don't go in telling people how, how, how to uh, practice. Uh, uh, the guest, uh, physician, nurse, introduces a program or provides the health ed materials with the best available uh, international standards and guidelines, but it's the host physician or nurse, uh, and these are our interpreters, that determines the most appropriate short and long-term use of the program, provides the knowledge of the current local practice, the uh, most critical needs, and most effective local participatory uh, teaching methods, and participatory methods is very important on the local level. Uh, knowledge of local beliefs and local culture to enable cross-culture uh, communication of the evidence-based uh, international best practice guidelines. And after a few days, because they're interpreting and they're, they're hearing the same thing over and over again, they have the, they have the program memorized, uh, uh, and they're providing all the information independently. Uh, and why doctors need to be teachers? Doctor means teacher. It's from the Latin word uh, docere, and it used to be we were teachers. In my training, they taught us how to teach patients, so we don't do that anymore. We, uh, no one has the time. Uh, but there's now a very strong evidence-based documentation that we physicians need to significantly increase the utilization of teaching or counseling as an essential part of our treatment. 
And uh, the way we can use the program here, physicians can refresh your memory of the program by reading the written handbook, often do it on the, on the flight over. Uh, on site, there's usually only five or six of those illustrations uh, there that are needed for the great majority of direct physician counseling. The rest are all used by, uh, mostly used by our, our team health educators. And often they are, they are pulled for easy access. Uh, and physicians may refer the patients for more extensive counseling than to the team educators or for follow-up church-based health counseling uh, after we leave. And you can set up your medical record uh, to make this very simple process. Uh, uh, just check off uh, uh, what you want the health educator to uh, uh, present. Uh, over here also there's a, a space for pastor elder referral uh, uh, follow-up for uh, social and uh, spiritual uh, 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 problems which uh, are, are, are so important with so many of our patients. Uh, so this is demonstrating the process for local physicians. Uh, uh, this is Pat uh, Van Winkle. He works with Miracle of Adoption in Cambodia. Uh, he's actually getting the program uh, translated uh, into the Khmer language. And uh, that's how I, uh, I start out as, as well uh, uh, for the first day or so. But usually at the first day or so, the local doc has, uh, has this, and he's, he's taken over the, the teaching. And the same for the church. You present it the very same way uh, to the church, and the same way with, for the uh, community health training uh, participatory approach, except that we then use uh, uh, Jody College's uh, materials, which are uh, specifically set up for uh, uh, those uh, uh, with uh, less uh, education. And educating the line, saving the most lives, preventing the most suffering. Uh, and, and these were uh, the team health educators, an essential position for every uh, team, uh, every short-term team. And uh, we always had uh, uh, at least a two and, and as many as we could get, three or four even better. And one to uh, uh, be educating the, the people as they're, as they're waiting in line, and the others uh, to handle referrals from the uh, uh, from the from the doctors and other healthcare providers, and everywhere we go, this is in in a prison in Cameroon. Uh, they provide uh, 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 wonderful services. Absolutely no doubt that of all of our team members, the ones that consistently, trip after trip, save the most lives, prevent the most suffering, are our team health educators. They save more lives, prevent more suffering than all of the rest of us put together. So if you want a job that that really uh, 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 has a great deal going for it, uh, that's the job to get. Uh, personal teaching at the time of need is very effective. When people have a problem, that's the time when they're interested in learning, and, and that's a, 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 been, been shown time and time again. This is also another very high-risk uh, group, so uh, uh, giving uh, uh, talks to uh, uh, women with young children is very important. Also, have a section... Uh, We've taken the oral health sections out and put them in a separate manual so they can be used by, by dental teams. And there again, you know, uh, teaching at the time of need, uh, while the patient there is waiting for the anesthesia to take hold, that's a very effective time to give them some preventive uh, 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 education materials because chances are he doesn't want to go through having those teeth pulled again. Uh, so he's going to be very uh, 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 interested in, in ways that he can prevent that from happening. And there again, uh, educating the waiting room. Again, our health uh, uh, team health providers, this Venezuela jungle, Aka Hill tribe in Thailand. It can also be used uh, 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 
uh, at night with on-screen on PDF projections. You can download the PDF from the uh, uh, website and put them on a CD and uh, just show them at night and it can be followed by a Jesus film. So there's all kinds of ways to use this program. Uh, uh, and, there, and while we're doing this, there's simultaneous uh, instructor training, uh, either uh, uh, training uh, uh, the local uh, uh, church uh, nurses uh, uh, or educators or uh, local uh, physicians, many of them that are a part of the uh, local church, uh, uh, at, at the same time that uh, uh, we're providing this direct service, our, really, our main intention is to treat the local, uh, uh, train the local uh, uh, providers. And then our, our, the materials are all left at the churches to provide ongoing evidence-based holistic teaching for their communities after we leave. And this is just a summary that we've, we've gone through. And again, this is summarized on, on the website as well. Uh, Short-term mission physicians, uh, their, uh, their responsibilities then are to provide uh, brief individual teaching counseling at the time of need and simultaneously they train the host country trainers, interpreters, usually uh, physicians, and they give credibility to and introduce the program to the community because most places we go, you know, they think Western medicine, hey, you know, that's, that's much better than anything we have locally and by, by introducing the program that really gives it a lot of credibility when it is used by the church then later on. Uh, they refer patients with conditions requiring more extensive counseling to a team health educator in the church community health promotion program. And then they refer patients requiring social and spiritual counseling to the host pastors and elders for follow-up. And most important, they demonstrate Christ's example of holistic care. And it's Christ's holistic mind, body, spirit, or teaching, touching, and prayer. And this touching comes again from Paul Brand. Uh, approach to healing from his fearfully and wonderful made. What he says here is uh, that Jesus' mission was not chiefly a crusade against disease, but rather a ministry to individual people, some of whom happened to have a disease. He wanted those people to feel his love and warmth and his full identification with them. Jesus knew he could not readily demonstrate love to a crowd, for, crowd, for uh, love usually involves touching. And you look at the Bible and look at all these passages. There are two things that Jesus did every time he healed someone. Uh, and one of those, just about every time, one of those was he touched them. And the second thing was what? He told them that your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. So those two things uh, uh, he, uh, he did. And uh, so the, the foundation of holistic health and the health ed program for developing countries, uh, what Jesus stated was the most important knowledge was love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And that is what uh, we try to get across as the most important knowledge. That's the very basis of holistic care right there. Uh, and that's what our patients need most and what holistic care does best. And the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through, through love. And this is why community health is not, not enough. Uh, you do need primary care. You do need Jesus' uh, 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 approach, the touching and caring approach. Uh, uh, this is probably one of my all-time favorite patient pictures. Uh, this is from the Kuchi tribe in uh, Afghanistan. And uh, I've been a pediatrician for many years, so anytime we get a chance to say Kuchi uh, baby, uh, it, uh, it brightens our day. So, uh, but another, another way we can uh, demonstrate Christ's love is through our children. We, uh, we've been blessed with a family of many teachers, and uh, the prayers of their students are essential. You know, they're, they're wonderful uh, prayer, prayer warriors. And in addition, they also are absolutely essential part of our attempts to try to demonstrate Christ's command to love one another, for they always make greeting cards and get well cards for the patients we will be seeing. 
And uh, even with specific guidelines, they can make reading and get well cards that demonstrate Christ's love, even when we go into areas where, where Christians are persecuted. So if you give them specific guidelines. Uh, and at the end of many trips, I was certain that their, their cards did much more than I did in demonstrating true Christ-like love. And uh, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And children often do this much better than, than we adults. And there again, the touching part that seems to come natural with our, our, uh, our health educators. And here in uh, uh, this country here, uh, uh, they, they develop very close relationships, not, not, not only with uh, their, their fellow uh, uh, educators that are going to take on the program after they leave, but also with the patients as well. So even in countries where we cannot talk about Jesus, we can demonstrate his love and example of teaching and touching and truly saving lives, a culture-changing difference. Uh, this is uh, spirituality and prayer. I think we need to talk about that after the mic is off. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to get we'll get back to that later. Okay. Now uh, we're going to directly compare from an evidence-based standpoint now the integrated holistic approach versus the drug-based approach for diarrhea in children. Okay. Now the, the World Health Organization uh, uh, reports. We're getting toward the end here. Uh, every eight seconds a child dies. Every year, more than five million die from illnesses linked to unsafe drinking water, unclean homes and neighborhoods, and improper disposal of excrement. At any given time, nearly one half of all the peoples in the developing world are suffering from one or more of the six main diseases associated with unsafe water supply and sanitation. Over one half the population. Those six main uh, diseases are uh, diarrhea, ascariasis, trachunculiasis, hookworm, schistosomiasis, and, and trachoma. So this is an area uh, where drugs do the most good. Uh, it's treatment of worm infections, anemia, and malnutrition. It's therapeutic, it's effective, it's safe. Unfortunately, the patient will soon be reinfected. So the actual cure requires education and supportive community efforts to resolve the real causes of their suffering. And it only takes a, a minute uh, or two to support this, this process. Diarrhea kills more than 4 million children every year, more than uh, uh, 10,000 per day. Most of these deaths could be prevented by breastfeeding, by boiling or treating water to make it safe, uh, and proper use of ORS. Now, how does uh, the treatment rate, uh, a drug treatment rate? And this is from our CDC. Uh, 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 Anti-diarrheal agents are commonly used, but data are limited regarding their efficacy. Side effects of these drugs are well-known, ileus, drowsiness, and nausea. In a recent study in pa uh, Pakistan, 18 cases of severe abdominal distension were associated with using loperamide, including six deaths. Okay, no, and antibiotics the same, uh, uh, not, not so many deaths, but even when a bacterial cause is suspected in an outpatient setting, antimicrobial therapy is not usually indicated uh, among children because the majority of cases, the acute diarrhea is self-limited and not shortened by antimicrobial agents. Also, deaths due to promethazine, numerous deaths due to that agent as well. So uh, using drugs for uh, harms children uh, in two of the most vulnerable areas. One, it increases mortality from the diarrhea due to the drug itself, and mortality is all, already 17%. But most important, it increases mortality from malnutrition. Poor families use their food money to buy these drugs. If we go out there and we're dispensing these drugs, they think, well, hey, that's important. You know, even if we give it free, they think, well, next time a kid's sick, he, that's what he needs. So they're going to use their food money. They do this down in Baja. They use their food money to buy these, these worthless medicines. So uh, 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 the, I, the World Health Organization uh, uh, 
uh, guidelines for, for life-saving guidelines for treatment, uh, essential treatment pro proven to reduce mortality by at least 90%. Now, the problem here is that although the guidelines are life-saving, they contain a number of different concepts and are relatively complex. So it's very few families are ever taught how to properly use them. Uh, and uh, uh, for that reason, uh, uh, we have more illustrations on this, uh, a total of six and on any other topic. However, even with the illustrations, this is one of the areas where doctors just don't have the time to provide the life-saving counseling on their own. And so after a brief introduction to the guidelines, uh, the patients are then referred to one of the assigned uh, uh, team health uh, educators. And, uh, uh, and uh, the team, it's, so it's the team health educator that enables short-term missions here to meet the CDC and World Health Standards for Care. Now, this education treatment also enables provision of evidence-based, high-quality, life-saving care for all future episodes of diarrhea. All future. Once you've taught them, they know it. You know. So that's the long-term impact. And then, as most patients have great respect for Western medicine, it enhances patient acceptance to the program when later provided by church educators. And that can have a culture-changing impact. You know, so just, just changing our approach uh, very simply can have major, major changes. So responsible for 17% of deaths in children under five, this is a summary of medicines for diarrhea and vomiting remain FDA approved, are frequently used, uh, but they're neither effective nor safe and increase uh, morbidity and mortality. The CDC and WHO guidelines are evidence-based, proven to reduce mortality by at least 90%. Okay, this is our last uh, Episode here. We might run about five minutes, five minutes over. If any of you have to leave, feel free to do so. This is actually the best part, though. So, uh, okay, we're going to compare then the uh, integrated holistic approach with the drug-based uh, approach for cardiovascular and other chronic diseases in adults. Okay, how are, uh, and how effective is our treatment? Now, tobacco, world's leading preventable cause of deaths, five million unnecessary deaths a year. Not counting cold medicines, it's the lead entry-level uh, drug for other drug abuse in children. Tobacco consumption is on the rise, uh, uh, and every second smoker will die of a tobacco-caused illness. Okay, now why does this continue to be such a problem? Well, drug addiction. Nicotine was determined to be more addictive than heroin, cocaine, and marijuana. And that's from the Surgeon General's report in the World Health Organization report in 1999. Extremely effective advertising, especially reaching children. Greater than $8 billion uh, per year is spent, according to the Academy of Pediatrics. Ongoing lobbying and political influence, that's still going on. Uh, now a major problem in developing countries, the retirement of Surgeon Generals Luther T. Ter uh, Terry and C. Everett Koop is also a reason why, why it's increasing because th those were the two stalwarts. Uh, that, uh, and uh, I wish I could read all this, but it, this is from C. Everett Koop. He says, the entire enterprise of big tobacco is the largest concentration of evil masquerading as a legitimate business on this planet. And he said that when he was in his, his 90s. Yeah. So, I, I, I hope we can all be like that. Okay. So how relevant is tobacco use uh, to patients of developing countries? Uh, uh, continues to expand. Uh, seven out of ten uh, deaths due to tobacco will occur in developing world by 2020. Uh, how relevant is tobacco to your, to your particular patient? Now, e evidence shows that smoking harms nearly every organ of the body. That's from the World Health Organization and, and Surgeon General's report. Uh, even when smoking may not be the only cause of the patient's presenting condition, and even when the condition you are treating is not usually lethal, your advice to stop smoking may well be life-saving. In this example, stopping smoking is far more important to your patient's well-being than any treatment of, of GERD. But... How effective is health education concerning smoking? Now, where do you think it fits here? You know, and, and, and 
this evidence-based standpoint. So this is health education's most difficult challenge. Stopping tobacco use is by far the most important life-saving treatment we could ever provide for our patients. For every two patients who stop smoking, we save one life. If we had a drug that could do that, we would be multi, 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 multi trillionaires if, if, we had, if we had a drug that could do that. Yet, quotes, we all know how difficult it is to try to get patients to make lifestyle changes, especially when those involving drug addiction. Is it worth the effort? And so now we're going to go back to the, the formula, evidence-based formula, validity over, over work uh, section of it. So here's what the evidence-based guidelines say. Clinical evidence, again, the same British medical uh, uh, clinical evidence, gives it the highest possible rating. The American College of Physicians uh, information uh, education resource, their peer program, again, the highest possible rating for effectiveness are, are health education for tobacco smoking. From the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force Counseling, again, an evidence-based uh, system, again, the highest possible rating for our health education to prevent smoking. Now, all of the following have received the very highest possible rating this 15% over here. Advice uh, for smoking, as we just said. Advice on cholesterol-lowering diet. Again, the 15%. Advice on reducing sodium to reduce blood pressure. Again, among the 15% most beneficial. Lifestyle interventions for sustained weight loss. Again, 15%. And no adverse effects. Okay, now, how effective is patient education treatment when directly compared to our statins, blood pressure meds, aspirin, clot busters, and cardiovascular surgery, and, as, and actually reducing deaths. So we're going to compare the two. How does the evidence-based approach, a holistic approach compare? And this was done in Great Britain. And here we see decreased smoking and diet changes were responsible for 62% of the decrease in mortality from cardiovascular diseases. Now, 44% uh, uh, was due to the decrease in smoking. Uh, 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 blood pressure, 9% was due to diet changes resulting in, in decreased blood pressure. Now, you don't want to stop the blood pressure drugs. They were responsible for 3% of decrease in mortality, but uh, the, the, the diet was, was 9%. And again, for the statins, uh, are effective in, in uh, reducing blood cholesterol and responsible for 3% decreased mortality, but again, the diet changes were responsible for 9%. 9%. So there you have uh, uh, the drug-based industry, all of our drugs and surgery combined, was responsible for 38% of the decrease in mortality. But note, all of, uh, although the above adverse effects and benefits must always be weighed against harm for each, no one is saying we should stop those treatments that have been proven to be beneficial and are worth the risk. However, if our goal is to save the most lives and prevent the most suffering, what our patients require is evidence-based holistic health education. And it's actually more than 62% because we didn't include the exercise benefit and, and, and others. So what does the World Health Organization have to say? Our second last slide here. How does the program rate as medical treatment? The World Health Organization reports that at least 80% of premature heart disease, that's our number one cause of death, 80% of stroke, our number three cause of death, 80% of type 2 diabetes, number six cause of death, and 40% of cancer, number two cause of death, could be prevented through the guidelines demonstrated by these two illustrations alone. And no adverse effects. So... Evidence-based summary, the goal to save the most lives and, uh, and prevent the most suffering. How does the program rate? Drug healthcare industry versus evidence-based holistic Christ-centered health education. Believe on the evidence. Thank you.
any questions?